Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to another edition of Pirates Talk. Since the last show, the Hall had just one game. It was at home against Providence, a 73-64 victory, as Seton Hall improved to 7-0 in Big East play, 15-4 overall, and maintained its number 10 spot in the Associated Press Top 25. Balanced scoring led the way, with four players in double figures, including Miles Powell. It was an off night, though, for Powell, who finished with 14 points, but it was the dominating performance by Romero Gill that people were talking about during and after the game. I mentioned it a few shows ago. Gill's emergence as an offensive force has been a joy to watch and unexpected. Gill finished with a team-high 17 points. He had eight blocks and six rebounds. The most improved player in the Big East? No question. Next up is DePaul on Wednesday, with Xavier on the near horizon on Saturday morning. Yes, morning, an 11 o'clock start at The Rock. Ouch. On to this week's guest. Bob Lee is a 1976 graduate of the Hall who distinguished himself at WSOU in his undergrad days. Upon graduation, Bob took a job with Suburban Cablevision, a local cable company serving only parts of Essex County at the time. A leader in the early cable industry, Suburban Cablevision provided, in addition to a clear broadcast signal and access to programming from around the country, an outlet for local programming called TV3, which showed high school games, mayor's talk shows, and the like. Bob was its first sports director. After a brief stay at TV3, where he helped mentor NBC's Bruce Beck and myself, among others, Bob left for a new company as one of the first employees of ESPN. The rest is history, as Bob has had a Hall of Fame broadcasting career by any and every measure. A proud Setonian, Bob has always been a supporter of the university and of WSOU. Recently retired, he will be honored at the St. John's game on February 23rd at Prudential Center. And he graciously agreed to join Pirates Talk. So, Bob, thank you very much for joining us today and giving me a few minutes of your time. Uh, before we get into this year's team and your time at Seton Hall, I know everyone realizes you've recently retired from ESPN. How is retirement going? Uh, it's it's a full-time job. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you thank me for my time. I got nothing but time, Matt. No, actually, it's, it's great. It's been a recalibration. It's been what uh, we needed, uh, a new chapter a chance to spend a lot more time with the grandkids uh, to just to decompress, to do some things uh, in South Orange at the hall, which I've enjoyed doing. And, um, you know, to, to, to mull some things about what we might want to be doing in the future, but it's been great. And a lot of reading, a lot of consuming. Uh, they tell me we live in interesting news times. So I, I'm an inveterate consumer just reading in, as they say in the morning takes a couple of, uh, hot steaming cups of tea to get caught up on what's going on in the world. So it's, 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 it's great. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. What strikes you as you go through the day's news? What stands out? What interests you the most? Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> clearly what's going on in Washington and around the country, uh, the dual universe we seem to live in, uh, universes of, of, uh, of political thought, the toxicity. And I, I address, I was, you know, as you may remember, I was, very fortunate and honored to be invited to give a commencement address last May um, for Seton Hall. And I, I touched upon this, uh, just the, the toxicity and, and, and the lack of grace and, and nuance in, in our culture. And you see it every day. But uh, I also get a chance when you're not on a daily deadline 
to consume a lot of other things and spend some time just really chewing it over and, and getting down to the third, fourth and fifth paragraphs. It's a luxury, actually, because um, uh, even for those of us uh, who are working journalists at the time, when you're when you're on a daily deadline and, you, and those deadlines are, are, are upon you many times a day, um, you're relying on other people to interpret for you. And that's fine. You have great people working with you, but the chance for you now to to really get into things. And so. Um, having that ability, I think, has been has been nice. One of the things that is a hallmark of your career is the work you did on Outside the Lines with the SPN, uh, multiple Peabody Award-winning program, Edgar R. Murrow Award-winning program, Emmy Award-winning program. It is the standard by which all sports journalism programs are judged. That being said, it is journalism. So you were able to bring that newspaper news view to sports was that hard in the beginning to do no, i don't think it was hard i, I think it was uh, uh getting um carving out our place uh and doing it well and and understanding how to translate it to television we're going back 30 years when we first do, we started doing otl as, a, as an episodic show and a monthly show but i think we we came upon a uh, a formula and a way to do it to find the micro example of a macro problem and i think we were immediately encouraged by the fact that there was an audience for thoughtful uh, thoughtful sports journalism that they could relate to and uh, you know through the years yes it, it's a commercial challenge at times the numbers being what they need to be uh but we've got you know in my time there great support from from the from the network and uh, in a variety of forms so it was, uh, you know, we outside the line started as a, as a monthly show, then it became a weekly show in 2000, and it became a daily show in 2003. Now it's back to weekly with daily reports on SportsCenter. So the form has always changed with the times. And, it, you know, guys our age, Matt, I'll put you in my cohort. I'm sorry about that. Your Medicare card should be in the mail shortly. <laughs> um, you know, we when we when we stop telling people to get off our lawn it's time for us also to realize the many delivery platforms that that aggressive news outlets have to have and if it doesn't read and translate and entice people on your phone um, and I'm, it's not just clickbait but you have to package it you have to present it and you have to distribute it in such a way that it's just not as they say linear television you're not just sitting down in front of your tv and watching about the only thing I'll watch live these days uh, is the occasional sporting event. Everything else is streaming or off the DVR. And so it's been a, it's been a shift for the entire industry to, to deal with it. Those of us and you know, you work in live sports, you, you, you're able to hold on to that fact that you're an attraction for immediate access and people need to listen to you and watch you at the same time that it's happening. That's not always the case now. And so you have to you have to build something that will sit up on the shelf and be pulled down five, six hours later, a day or two later and still work. Well, it certainly has worked all these many years with Outside the Lines. And you bring up an interesting transition that we are all in the midst of. It's seismic, of course. And even when it comes to live sports, I think we're all struggling. How do you deliver it? Because I'll use my three children and they're not teenagers. The youngest is 22 and the oldest will be 30. But they consume live sports far different than I ever did. So whether it's NFL Red Zone, they don't care about the entire game. They just want the action. Or they're <laughs> or or they're they're involved in three different transactions. There's something on the TV, there's something on their computer. They may be playing a video game as well. And I think we're trying to figure out are people listening? 
or watching. Yes, it's live. Yes, you can't recreate that, so to speak, but do people really want to do that anymore? I know people of a certain age. We, we are in the same demographic. You preceded me just by a few years at Seton Hall, as my late mother-in-law used to say, same church, different pew in terms of our <laughs> in terms of our demographics. But I'm not talking about people our age, but I, I don't know where we're going in this business with the younger uh, yeah. set. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, it, no, you, you hit on something that's very, very uh, applicable, like the NFL Red Zone, which I think is one of the great inventions in life next to water and fire, if you like football. But what it breeds is ADD. Uh, and if you watch, you know, and we heard this 15, 20 years ago on SportsCenter when we were cutting highlights and reducing a three and a half hour American League Brewers Angels lousy baseball game down to 28 seconds of good highlights. And suddenly people are consuming their baseball uh, in, in short bursts. And so you give a, you know, a false compression of the time frame, if, if you will. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, I've got two adult daughters. Um, they're 29 and my gosh, 35. How, how did a 45-year-old guy have that happen? Um, but neither of them has ever had a cable contract. They, they Each of them stream. And, and you know, my, my grandkids, they don't watch commercial television. They don't watch cable television. They get streaming presented to them, and their parents are very careful about what's presented to them. And, and that, same, that same selectivity and that same cherry-picking, as you've discovered with your kids, exists everywhere. So, what you gain is the ability to have the, the dual and tri-screen experience if you're there watching a, a baseball game and you could be checking stats on your phone. You could also now be betting it if you live in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And you know it's amazing how that paradigm in the course of just several years has totally shifted. A, Pete Rose, I mean, you can understand why he might be going a little bit batty. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it you sacrifice the clarity of digging in and really concentrating on something, reading a physical book. And I have nothing against reading books off phones and, and, and Kindles and iPads, because I do that, too. But to sit with a physical book without distraction, it, it, it's a luxury to take that time and really delve in. So, uh, you know. There's no there's no right or wrong answer about it. It's a question of adapting. But, you know, the, as you say, the consumption patterns have been blown sky high. And so that's a challenge. If, if you're a consumer, you've never lived in a better time. You have more ability to consume, to choose what you want, to get it, to get it in multiple places, to get different things at the same time. But if you're a if you're a producer and, 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 and uh, you're a supplier, Man, it's a challenge in the marketplace. It is, and we're all experiencing it, those of us who are in the business. So we're not going to go through your career in chronological order. We don't have enough time. I don't want to get too much into the details. Oh, I'm not that old. <laughs> but I do want to go back to going to Seton Hall. Out of Bloomfield High School, was it always Seton Hall? Did you have other thoughts, other schools you applied to? Or was there something about the hall that you said, this is going to be the place for me? Yeah, and the answer is WSOU, which I listened to when I was in high school. I worked at a little underground radio station when I was in high school. Uh, I knew I wanted to go into uh, broadcasting and sports and journalism, and I had looked at some other schools, but I applied to only one school and you know was accepted there. And, of course, <laughs> uh, how many years ago was that? 1972. So all those years later, I mean, you know, no one just applies to one school. You, you, know, you, you hit it with a shotgun and you pray. But that's why I came to the hall. And I was back in those days, the 
orientation was in August, just before classes began, maybe three or four weeks before classes. So I showed up at at uh, SOU on the first evening of orientation, and the gentleman who's now the chief engineer at the station, Frank Scafidi, still there, God bless him, um, was sitting on the board, running the board. And before he knew it, like Tom Sawyer getting me to, you know, to paint the fence, he had me running the station. Now, he was signing the log. He had the license. But so there I am at 17, you know, not yet fully enrolled in the university and, and working at the radio station. And I thought it was the neatest thing. And it, it was my home away from home while I was at Seton Hall. I mean, like so many kids in that era, it was largely a commuter school. So you'd eat your lunch there. You'd, you'd make friends there. You'd uh, spend all your time there and then you you know after your classes that's where it was and that's um you know that's that's been the basis of a lot of deep friendships you were a sportscaster there you also were the program director there on the basketball side uh, or baseball uh what, what memories come to mind when you think about your undergrad days there Oh, man. Uh, I, I was very fortunate because the way the calendar fell with the people who were working at the station, um, I missed Bob and Cozy by a year that he graduated. Gary Gabesha was the sports director when I arrived in 1972. He was a senior, but there was a whole class of seniors who were leaving and not very many underclassmen. So the job of sports director came open. I was appointed sports director of my sophomore year, 70. 374, which was the year we went back to the National Invitation Tournament for the first time in a long time. And that was neat. I mean, we had two trips to Florida that year. I mean, 18, 19 years old, and we're flying to Florida twice within three weeks doing games. We did three or four games in Madison Square Garden. We did the NIT. And back in those days, the uh, university did not have a contract for a commercial radio station. So SOU, we all know it's signal. It reaches, you know, the entire tri-state area. Uh, you were it. You were providing the word picture. And there was one or two, there were men have been one or two games on television that year, but everything else was radio. And we were it. And you knew it. And at a very young age, you had that responsibility uh, in a year, not unlike this one, which is fraught with promise and opportunity and talent and, and things that are just opening up in front of you. And you realize this is a big game tonight. I'm going to have to bring my A game at a young age. Who were some of the, your uh classmates that became mentors in a way and maybe you mentioned a couple of them who preceded you uh who in addition to the work you put in refining your skills helped push you along well i mentioned bob Picosi, who mm -hmm. when i got there had just graduated who's uh, worked at espn for several years was a sportscaster up in new haven not far from where we live and um has, we've become very good friends and uh, when i got there in 72 it was talked about in reverential tones of what a and I listened to tapes and I agreed. And, you know, he, he was the pro's pro at a young age in his early 20s. And if you could be considered in the same breath as good as Picosi, then you were doing something that was pretty good. Um, there was Joe Sanchez. We just lost Joe about a month mm. or so ago. And uh, tragedy, but a great broadcaster. I, I remember doing a couple of football and basketball games with him. And at a young age, and here was Joe in his early 20s, though, had it really had mastered the craft. And just by, you know, had patience with me and, and the other freshman guys like Roger Dommel, who I remain great friends with all these 50 years later, uh, great patience with us. And you, you learned by watching and you understood that uh, there were professional level standards here. 
And, you know, yes, you were here to learn, but you had to you had to bring a product and a word description and a sensibility to what you were doing that was professional quality because people were relying on you. And all of those guys, you know, I mentioned Gary Gabesha, the sports director, uh, you know, a, a great example of, of how to prepare and how to go about it and how to run the sports department. All of those people you learned from. Peer pressure in the best sense has always been one of the great traits at WSOU. Its history speaks for itself. The present class is doing another great job, uh, or class is, and you know what preceded you. You know what your classmates are doing, and that's the best pressure of all. I felt the same in my time at WSOU. You knew that you were part of a tradition that had deep roots, that had produced some outstanding broadcasters, and and you didn't want to mess up. And you went on the air. If you were doing a five-minute newscast or you were doing a weather update or you were hosting a, 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 a rock show or you were hosting Hallline, you did not want to mess up. And at an early age, it's an incredibly valuable skill to learn. Yeah, you know, nobody, my, my rule of thumb has been nobody can ever put more pressure on me than I can put on myself. And it's, you know, and if anybody who does this for a living tells you that fear of failure isn't a motivator, that they're lying because you want to bring it right. But I, I think I alluded to this when I was you know, responding to one of your earlier questions, and we see it at five year intervals uh, at the WSOU reunions. I mean, we just had what, the 70th, was it, um, a couple of years ago? Uh, just the sense of fraternity that reaches across the generations. And even if you didn't overlap, overlap with someone, uh, you have a chance to experience. I mean, you all were in the same space. You all had the same karma. Uh, I'm, I, I work with a couple of fellows who uh, recently graduated from the hall. Just, I guess you could say mentoring, but um, and I don't want to embarrass somebody. One fellow works in a television market, shot me a script the other night after Kobe died and said, hey, you like, you know, that's good. I said, I'm not going to touch that script. That script's perfect. Go with it. Um, you know, that that we have this informal and somewhat formal network of, of people who reach out, look out for each other, share stories and come from a common route, a common a common experience at SOU. It's, it's really something special. I cherish it. So what do you think about this year's edition of Seton Hall basketball as uh, they are now 10th as we speak, 10th ranked in the country. Oh man. Um, it's scary to watch them play. And now I know they didn't have a game this past weekend, which I, you know, I got to believe Kevin Willard might've thought, geez, the way we're playing, we feel it's a shame to take the weekend off, but I, I watched their defense. I, I, you know, in retrospect, and I'm certainly not the first to say it, uh, but I, I, I think that, um, uh, the couple of games that Miles missed because of his concussion, I think, really helped this team gel. Uh, when Mambo Kalashvili returns to the lineup, and that's going to be shortly. I mean, it's going to be you have a you have a rotation that's nine or ten deep of quality players, you know. And 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 what McKnight has done at, at the point I, it's just been explosive in the last uh, month and a half. And, uh, and, and you know, Miles Powell is just plays so unselfishly with such a sense of team um, and everything you hear about this young man, it makes you realize, you know, what a, what a class way in which he's representing the university. It's, it's, it's fun. And I hope everyone associated um, around the team at SOU and as fans and alums, just, you know, we, we can appreciate what we're seeing here. And it, it's about the wins. Yes. But it's also just about the experience and, you know, may we go deep, deep into March, and may we avenge the worst foul call ever in the history of man, that 1989 uh, whistle, which I, I witnessed with my own eyes, and I still can't read. 
oh. speak about without my blood pressure stop me, man. I'm going to go nuts. Oh, it, it drives me crazy as well, Bob. And uh, I've, I've spoken recently with uh, PJ Carlissimo, and he's agreed to come on a show in the near future. And I know he's handled it with class. You wouldn't expect. Oh, you wouldn't expect. Far more, oh, far more it was a terrible call. Terrible no, call. And John even privately, even privately, uh, and I would, you know. He's not going to go there, and that's that's the kind of gentleman he is. Um, and you know, we can laugh about it now a little bit, but I work with a lot of Michigan alums, and I tell them flat out, right out front, I say we have one problem between us, and we can work past that one. It'll be okay. Absolutely, and you know the the irony there is Ramil Robinson hits those free throws. I had the luxury of covering him in my brief time working in the NBA, and he was a terrible free throw shooter. But that night, he was awesome and uh, took advantage of a terrible call, and Michigan won the championship. And honestly, Bob, I thought that was it. Given Seton Hall, despite being in the Big East and, and certainly a prominent league for basketball, and even in its, in fact, maybe, well, not better, I don't know, but certainly as strong as the first go around with the Big East. The, the reincarnation's been terrific. My point is, I didn't think Seton Hall would have that chance again. Yes, they could be successful. Yes, as they have in the last four years, get to the NCAA tournament. Now, hopefully getting into the second weekend and beyond. But this team has all the ingredients, and I, I don't want to shoot the clown and jump ahead, but <laughs> this this team has all of the ingredients to win a championship. You spoke about their depth. You spoke about their senior leadership, their unselfish play, and they've got a player of the year candidate in Miles Powell. They've got size. They have really all the ingredients you need. Now they, they'll need Lady Luck because at some point you're going to need that on your side. But we could be seeing a run that we haven't seen in a long time. And I did not think we'd be able to see it again, quite frankly. No, it, it, it's all made possible because of, 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 you know, Miles' decision to return for a senior year, which, uh, you know, has done nothing and may do nothing, but just, you know, increase his value, you know, when he'll be selected in the NBA. Um, it is, it's a great ride. Let's enjoy it for what it is. And, you know, and it's certainly the, the staff is looking at, you know, building upon this with their recruiting. And, yeah, you mentioned the size. I mean, it's the tallest team in the country. They play defense like there's no tomorrow, and that's the key. Um, you know, if, if you're going to shoot 30% tonight, okay, you can get by with that if you can force 15, 18 turnovers, you know, and a half. And um, it's just fun. It's just great. And at, at a time when the sport has just been – battered and slapped from side to side with the trials and uh, the federal trials on what's been going on and at the corners of the sport. We've all known that stuff has been going on. This is a nice respite. Um, it may not, it may not lead to the final, may it lead to the final four? Great. I hope so, but just let's enjoy it. I agree. Enjoy the ride and let's see where it takes us. The player who has impressed me the most with his development is Romero Gill. Oh my. I mean, he's, he's added an offensive game that I, I didn't see. I don't think many people did. And that's made him so much more effective. That little pick and roll down the, you know, and, and it, what was it, the last game? Uh, I mean, they must have run that, uh, you know, 10 times. He just sets that pick high and just rolls down the lane. And, you know, someone's going to figure out a way to, to not stop it, but but make it to, tougher to execute. But uh, there are so many different options out there. It's just it's fun to watch a well-coached team play well and 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 see, you know, vividly the leadership that that miles you know can provide on the team and and just when he is on the dribble 
you're, you know, you're just watching a, a once in a generation player in terms of the way he can control the game. He can draw the contact. He's playing a pro game, you know, they, you know, force the call. That's the, you know, when I, when I covered pro ball, I mean, that's, that's the mantra, you know, you get it into the paint and, and force the refs to make a decision. And if you can shoot 75, 80% from the line, boom, there's half your, half your total. If you've got his game. Yeah. And there's no shot that's outside his range, quite frankly, it's incredible. So uh, one of the games upcoming on the schedule at the end of February, a, little under a month from now against St. John's. You will be honored uh, by WSOU uh, upon your retirement from ESPN. But for all you've done, you're a member of the SOU Hall of Fame, well-deserved, of course. Uh, what do you think that day's going to be like, and what kind of memories will come flooding through? Oh, man. Um, I really don't know. I, I've, just, I've, I've been told to show up. I'll be there. Uh, I know that a lot of folks uh, that I worked with uh, intend to be there and, and other folks from SOU. I just look at it as a great chance to see a lot of friends, to swap some stories. Uh, Dalton Allison at SOU has invited me to do a little bit of play-by-play that day. Um, so I've been trying to brush up on it. It's, I, you know, it's been a few decades, but I mean, if you've done, as you well know, if you've done highlights, you'll, you're doing play-by-play, but the, you know, you, it's, um, uh, it's going to be fun, and 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 with the added uh, atmospherics of just what this season has been, and who knows what the ranking will be at that point. And anytime you play the Johnnies, uh, you know the toughest thing about doing the play-by-play. Got to keep reminding myself they've changed their nickname to a more PC version. I get it, fine, okay, uh, but I, I can remember we used to play uh, St. John's and Walsh a couple of times in my freshman year. I mean, the place was packed. And I remember going over to Alumni Hall my, my my sophomore year, and they just smoked us that year. Uh, that was before the Big East, obviously. But uh, I, I I can't wait for the day, just to, a chance to see a lot of folks I haven't seen in a few years. Well, the rock will be rocking because the hall is back uh, uh, in, as I mentioned, a high level of prominence. And we all know that. And uh, one of its noted alums will be honored that day. And, Bob, I'm honored that you spent some time with me. Uh, for those, and, and I'm not sure that anybody really cares, but I do have to mention it here in closing. Uh, I was an undergrad at Seton Hall. You were working for a local cable company, Suburban Cablevision, in their local origination station, TV3. You had come back for an Essex County basketball tournament game. It was a semifinal, as I recall. You walked back into the station to see where it kind of started for you and what was going on. You invited me at that point to go over to East Orange and learn the tricks of the trade, and uh, that was really inspirational for me and a big part of why I've been able to kind of push forward and keep going all these years. It has to start somewhere, and you were the spark, and I have to thank you for that publicly. Oh, please. It was it's it's been a joy and 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 spending time with you in North Carolina. What was that June of last year? Yep. Uh, and and my joy to be able to present you with the Sportscaster of the Year uh, Award for New Jersey. That was uh, that was special. And uh, you know, uh, when those moments come along, you, you you treasure them because and and it's and the responsibility that comes as, as you alluded to to. to to pay it forward and to make sure the people that, that are starting out in the profession, the men and women who want to do this, have every opportunity to, to get, you know, whatever small advice we can bring. Well, Bob, uh, you've been a mentor to so many. I appreciate the time. You've had a wonderful career. Retirement sounds like it's a blast. Someday I'll get there. Not sure when. A few more <laughs> few more laps to run. We'll see. But at any rate, I look forward to seeing you on the 23rd for that St. John's game. And I know our listeners appreciated your time today. Thanks very much, Bob. Matty, thanks so much. Go Pirates. Go Pirates indeed. Well, that will do it for this week's show. 
I do hope you enjoyed the time spent with Bob Lee. Thanks for your company, everyone. Until next week, bye-bye.